This show is sponsored by Hivemind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings and of course to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. Hey, welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Mr. Daniel Martinez. I have here my special guest and co-host, Anthony Gaona, and Mr. Pete Reese, who is a nationwide investor who does land just like all of us. We're going to have a great land conversation. Here we are. We're going to start right now. So, Mr. Pete, how long have you been in uh, real estate, man? Well, I've been in real estate since, uh, since we bought our first home, which was in the year 2000. I've, I've been oh. a real estate investor since about... I guess 2005-ish. Uh, been a broker. I got my broker's license in 2006. I was initially flipping homes and things like that. And then the market crashed out here in California, where I'm from. And then, uh, so I was listing bank-owned properties as a broker for a couple of years. So was, that's that was like my my only focus. That's the only thing that was really selling at the time. Uh, so I got heavily involved in that, and through that, I. I, you know, partnered up with a lot of, didn't partner up with them, but I, I got hooked up with a lot of different investor and large investment companies. And then I started finding them deals. I went off on a whole tangent for a few years of just exclusively just finding them deals and getting them contracts uh, locked up and everything like that. Since I knew what they were looking for and I had a lot of good contacts, especially with the bank owned and short sale properties and things like that. So kind of went down that whole tangent. And then I uh, started another business with my wife, 2017, is a blogger training and education business, travel blogging, those types of things. That was 100% focused for a number of years, four or five years. And, and then in 2020, a little over two years ago at this point, I really got the itch to get back into real estate investing. And I didn't know what to do, but read some stuff online about land flipping. And I didn't know too much at all about land, really. And just started reading about it, heard some people talking about, hey, I bought this lot for ten thousand, I sold it for thirty thousand. And you know, that kind of that kind of appealed to me. I was like, I could do that. You know, I I know how to buy and sell. I know I can I can value things. So bought a training program on it, learned everything I could on it, and then just went all in, sent out my first batch of mail was ten thousand letters. <laughs> and then it just started from there. Did our first resale deal in March of twenty twenty one. And that was the first, you know, deal that we did. And then 2021 ended up doing uh, about 1.2 million in revenue, about 50% gross profit margin. 2022, we're wrapping up the year right now, but it looks like it's going to be around 3.6 million in revenue. And again, about 50% gross profit margin. And I really feel like I can do 10 million next year, if not more. So got a number of things that I'm working on to scale things up, but I'm just trying to grow as quickly as we can. Dude, uh, congratulations, man. That that's thank you. hella momentum. <laughs> <laughs> it's really starting to snowball at this point, too. So 
I was looking at, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys track like your portfolio value of the things that you own, like things for sale and, and under contract. And I looked at it uh, yesterday or the day before, and it was like 2.7. And those are all properties that I own, you know, like outright at this point. So the momentum is really building. And then I've got about 1.1, almost $1.2 million under contract to be sold, you know, like closing most of them in January. So it's getting to the point where I'm hoping for January to be our first million dollar month. And I know February is not going to be the same, but, you know, hopefully it's, you know, it's going to be an upward trajectory. So hopefully we can find some synergy with you, man. It sounds like we're exactly in the same phase of our business. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, we should do between, I don't know, mid to late uh, end of February. Yeah, we should hit one or right over one and a half, something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, but we're finding now that the, the momentum that we're in is it is a tipping point for us. Yeah. Cause previously it, it had just been good, but not great. But now it's like, it's going to go from great to like ridiculous. Like we're trying to contract one lot right now for six and a half million. Right. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a bigger deal than I've ever done. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that now we, we keep targeting deals like that. We sent out paperwork this week for like 3.2. So it's, I think this year is going to be our, our biggest year yet, but it seems like it's getting easier and easier as time goes on. Like you said, you, you build that momentum and it gets cumulative. Yeah. It's right. To- Okay, now you understand the game. Now you're not afraid to go fast. And I think that's something that held us back for a long time is that we like we're doing okay, but I didn't want to push us into like completely out into like treacherous waters. So we, we yeah. do it as slow as necessary. And then now where we are now, we're like we, we took all the all the, the governors off, took the brakes off, and now yeah, we're going. That's awesome. Wow, you guys are doing great. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, it sounds like you're destroying it too. I was super excited to talk to you when Daniel told me what you were doing. I was like, man, yeah, we got to get this guy on. Let's see what the heck we can do. <laughs> if you could share with us kind of how your business model works. You said you're doing, you're working a lot of states where we primarily work in Texas. We have a nice size deal going in Florida. So we're trying to like infiltrate Florida slowly but surely, but we love Texas. We're probably going to, you know, be the bulk of our business will be here probably forever. But what is your, your, your marketing looks like? How do you select the market? Do you have boots on the ground in each market? And then what are you doing exactly for marketing right now? You asked us about pay-per-click earlier. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. At this point, hundred percent of our, hundred percent of our business is generated through direct mail and that's, you know, offer letters. So two page letter, first page is kind of explaining who we are and what we do. Second page is the actual offer. And, you know, the offers are based off of averages and, you know, sometimes they're not accurate either. You know, we'll send in an offer and then the, you know, the seller will come back and say, oh, you're too low or, you know, or they'll accept it right away. And then it makes me think, well, we were probably too high. And then, you know, we look at, you know, then when it comes in, it's kind of like a, sometimes it ends up being just the beginning of the discussion, but it's an interesting way to get the the phone ringing or the emails or the texts coming in. So that's, that's kind of how we generate our leads right now. But what we do then is our business model is really just about short-term, like really quick flips. On, on average, we're holding these properties for about 60 days. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to price it you know, slightly below market value in, in markets that are, where properties are selling. You know, like we, we, we always send mail into markets that have, have got good activity. If the market's really dead or there's just a big glut of inventory in a certain market, then we stay away from it really. Unless, unless I have some so I'm really in-depth knowledge of that market in particular. And I know that if I get a really quality property, it will sell or something like that. But for the most part, those markets I try, try to stay away from. But uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. We, we really leverage local land brokers to help us with the transactions. Basically, we work with them on the buy side. You know, we ask for their opinions on the value of the property before we actually close on it you know, during our due diligence. 
But uh, you know, as the trade-off, we we let them know that we're going to give them the listing. You know, as soon as we close on the property. So you know, they might evaluate a few properties, and you know, something maybe doesn't go through or whatever. So they they don't get every single one of those properties that they evaluate. But it's I think it's well worth it in the end. The other thing is we pay them you know ten percent commissions always. We don't. We don't try wow. to negotiate commissions at all. And I know that that's a thing that a lot of land investors don't do, but I felt that it, it really, it really helps build partners really, you know, with the agents that we're working with, they've got an incentive to, to work hard for us to get these properties sold. They're happy to evaluate properties for us. So it's, it's just a, just a better balance. And you know, you know what it's like in the land business, you know, like not every property is a, you know, million dollar property. So you have, you have a lot of, you know, you know, maybe twenty to a hundred thousand dollar properties that they're not going to make a huge commission unless they get you know uh, a higher you know commission percentage. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. It's it's really pretty simple. You know, we do as far as boots on the ground. You know, we send out a photographer and a drone photographer, drone photographer, basically to walk every single property. And we, you know, the property, the areas that we really have focused on. You know, we generally get some pretty good contacts and pretty good people that will go and inspect these properties for us. Uh, the agent. Uh, we'll go out there, you know, after we close on it, sometimes before we close on it as well. And uh, we do a whole list of due diligence as well, a whole checklist that we go through. We try to identify any potential red flags, anything that could c- kind of bite us in the butt. And, uh, you know, we're not perfect. Sometimes we miss, miss some things, but we do our best to kind of eliminate those things. And if there is a problem that comes up while we're under contract to buy something, then we'll just uh, either walk away or have a discussion with the seller and let them know that, you know, we, we can't pay this price because of this reason. So that's pretty rare, actually. Most of the time, uh, we know, we've got a pretty good sense of what the property is before we even get under contract with it. But you know, here and there, some, some things come up that we didn't anticipate. So this model, that's, that's amazing. I think what's so. funny is that everybody, like me and Anthony talk about this all the time, like we're not overcomplicating it. Is this, it is really is this simple. <laughs> yeah, simple, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, and, and, and I think, like, like uh, to that point, you know, that no, not overcomplicating things, making it simple. I know a lot of land investors that have this whole elaborate thing built up on the marketing side of things once they purchase a property. And I could easily put something like that in place. But honestly, that, that would be so much drag on our, on our operation that I really don't want to go there. I'd rather leverage local land brokers that will help us on the due diligence side, but but then we'll take the property and sell it. And generally, they'll probably sell it for a higher amount than I could sell if I was going to direct market it myself. Um, they, you know, the good ones have have a buyer list, and they've got credibility in their area and are able to kind of uh, leverage that, you know, for a higher sale price in the end. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people are really overcomplicated, and like it's a simple thing as buy low, sell, buy low, sell high, and then that's have, right. Having the private capital in place to that understands it could take 60, 90 days. And that's, that's the process. That's, it is what it is. Like we're not, do you, do you do any like add-ons of well water fencing, anything like that? Are you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, so one of the big things we'll do sometimes is we'll get a perk test done, you know, especially if we've got a good soil scientist in the area, we'll, we'll get that out of the way. So we'll, we'll do that sometimes, you know, we've done minor subdivisions sometimes as well. If, if it's an easy one, you know, we'll just, and in a lot of these areas, it's simply a matter of hiring a surveyor to come out and survey the property and split it up on paper. And then they record it with the county and then sell off the parcels individually for a higher amount. So we've done that as well. And uh, sometimes clearing paths, you know, if a property is really overgrown woods and it's a larger, you know, kind of premium property, but 
it's kind of inaccessible for someone to go and walk the property, we'll do that. And uh, that helps a lot in certain situations. But just minor stuff generally. You know, we've done, had a number of, a couple of properties actually where they're prime for like a residential subdivision, you know, in the area that they're located. So we'll hire an engineer to do what they call sketch plan. Basically draw up on paper what a potential subdivision could look like. And then we end up listing it with a commercial broker with that sketch plan from the engineer as a potential of what it could be, you know, and then we can generally get a higher amount for the property rather than just marketing it as just a big parcel that's zoned RS9 or whatever the zoning is, you know, you're, you're more exact and you had an actual engineer plot it out and like say, okay, we think we can get a hundred lots out of this property. Now, obviously someone would have to go through all the paperwork, do all that, that side of things, but just having that, that there really increases the value of certain properties, I believe. Man, I love it, man. I love the business model. I have a ton of questions. I, sure. I feel like a lot of overlap too with what you're doing and then what we do. We do we we'll do a light subdivide, a uh, little to no development at all. Um, but yeah, clear and brush that kind of stuff. I really enjoy it, man. I enjoy seeing the before and afters. I have a construction background, so but I don't know that I would necessarily want to, you know, bring in utilities and all that stuff. I think it just takes. Yeah. Some- the investment it's like we're just turning dirt we're just turning paper really i know that it's the time that bugs me you know it's like some of these things take forever and you're getting bids and you know like <laughs> you know i, I don't know yeah we need an end buyer to do that i talked to a friend of mine today who's uh he got like 50 some acres west of austin and uh, they're looking at bringing in electricity and water wells i'm like man i already sold that stuff by the time you guys d- done with the planning phase <laughs> yeah 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 no i got one property i'm dealing with now that i actually did a minor subdivision on and it's um, it's one of the situations where I, I've got to put in this long like gravel road along the one side of the property, and it's long like it's uh, uh twenty five hundred feet, something like that. So wow. it's it's That's like a half mile my like, gravel road that I get put in. So I underestimated, you know, I got some, I got an initial bid, and the person kind of like lowballed it. It's like okay, it's going to be you know forty thousand, but probably going to end up being like 75,000, you know what I mean? Uh, till I get the real bids in and everything. And that kind of messes up my profit. I'm still making a lot on it, but it's just a lot, you know, dealing with that is sometimes just not fun. You know, I just hate, hate, you know, spending that kind of money, but you know, you do what you got to do. That's hilarious. We were talking to Daniel the other day and, and we're talking about a, a, the deal we're working in Florida actually. And uh, I was mentioning some things to him and I was like, no, man, let's, you know, we should probably skip that. Let's not do that. You know, the deal's getting kind of skinny. He's like, dude, it's 75,000 profit. I'm like, oh yeah, but still it's skinny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bad deal. I know. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. So uh, one, one thing I, I like about land in general is that you can grease. We talk about this, we talk about this all the time is that you can grease the wheels sometimes. Like sometimes you come on under bid, but if you're looking at, if you have a big enough spread in there, it kind of like, okay, let's spend the extra 10, 20 grand. I mean, it is what it is. And then you can yeah. do everything right now. But if you're taking, if you take control of that and make it more profitable just by putting in that road or putting in that fence or clearing that brush entrance to get to the property, that might be all you need to do. There's like nothing else you need to do at that after that point, And it's yep. going to sell eventually. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I tell this story sometimes too, where I actually learned kind of that concept um I actually used to own a used car lot when my wife and I first got married. Um, 
I, I put myself through college no, <laughs> selling new cars and I kind of learned the car business. And then I, we started buying kind of some cars on the side, selling them. And then one thing that led to another, we, we decided to open up our own used car lot. But the first thing we would do when we get a car, this is the early 2000s, you know, like we would, we would obviously get it detailed. Uh, we had someone that detailed all of our cars that came in and then, you know, we'd go to Walmart and buy new floor mats and do do a wheel covers and you know just like the little minor stuff, but it made all the difference. You know, it allowed us to sell the cars for quite a bit more just by doing some little stuff like that. You know, that is, yeah, I, I, I don't I, tell I, many people that thing. Painful past, no, yeah, yeah. I bought a commercial property in South Side San Antonio, and yeah, I was, I was turning some diesel trucks and some RVs. <laughs> Like that. It's fun, buying and selling, you know, it's the same thing, but <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's just yeah, the hits aren't big enough. Yeah, I know. I know. Hey, let me ask you about that uh, little subdivide you did. So you brought in this gravel road because I, I had a property as we subdivided here in San Antonio and I was looking at bringing in a gravel road and it was going to be like, yeah, like 3000 feet. Um, so did you bring in a, a, like a private road so you can cut off of that or what was the purpose of the gravel road? Yeah, it's, um, it's the, the property is like long and narrow. Mm -hmm. So the way I had to subdivide it was, you know, I, I had to like have one with basically all the frontage and then the other ones kind of had, had no like major road frontage. So then I had to cut this road along the one side so they could each access those parcels. But yeah, um, yeah so we turned those down, right? Um, yeah. We usually look for the ones, of course, that have the most uh, road touch in the property. But yeah, I've always I've never run a private road to cut off of that yet. So mm -hmm. I was kind of of what that process looked like or yeah I, I mean pretty easy i mean so this, the surveyor you know mapped it all out and staked it all out and everything like that and I actually haven't had the road put in yet but i'm in the process of like doing the um bids on it and stuff i actually have i'm actually under contract to sell a lot of the lots off uh i think four out of the five lots we've got under contract to resell at this point so and they're, you know, expecting this road to be done. So it's crunch time. I need to actually get, <laughs> I need to actually get it done. But you know, these contractors are kind of messing around with me on the bids, and you know, they'll sell me one thing, and then they'll go out there again, and then they'll say, oh, you know, I didn't anticipate this, and then you know, so the bid's higher. So anyhow, are you yeah, doing uh, are you doing a shared easement? What's that? Are you doing a shared easement? Yeah, it's like um, I had to do a um. Uh, road maintenance agreement that my attorney drew up. So it's got an easement, yeah, that is shared. It's a 50 foot easement that runs the whole basically side of the property. And then, yeah. you know, I'm putting in the gravel road. The county requires a gravel road if they're going to build on it. But so. so one thing you mentioned that I thought was pretty funny is that four of the five lots are already sold and the took title. We do the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's really <laughs> hilarious because, like, I, we, me, and, me and Anthony, like, we're like, we need to be more abrasive towards houses. And the reason why. Is because they're doing it all the hard things. Like we don't do nothing. We don't do nothing that hard. Like yeah, we have thirty days to sell the house. Like with this, we have like ninety days or one hundred and twenty days, and then we yeah. find the buyers, and then they bring the cash to the closing table, and that's how we do this. Yeah, it makes it sound like too simple, but it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's a good. It's a great business, you know. Um, obviously, you got to put in your the effort to really understand land and understand what's a good lot what's a bad lot what's what sells what doesn't what's a good area what's a bad area you know like you've got to you got to kind of understand all this but it's not rocket science i mean there's you know it's it's not it's it's a uh, it's simple buying and selling so you buy for the right price so you can then resell it for the right price and as long as you're buying properties that can be considered 
um, good properties, if you price it slightly below market value, you're going to sell it right away. So, yeah. what's your opinion on uh, like floodplain? Do you do a lot of like floodplain lots, or are you kind of um, I, not a lot, but I do here and there. You know, like sometimes in, in the FEMA flood zone. You know, it's just a matter of kind of the area and what's typical for an area. Like if some some areas are like all in the floodplain, and that's just what they are. But you know, some areas, um, some areas are, you know, it's kind of rare to have have those floodplain properties. And if I do buy one that's FEMA flood zone, typically it ends up being like it's like a recreational property rather than maybe a potential home site. So as long as I'm buying it as a recreational property and reselling, you know, priced it accordingly, I'm not I'm not really scared off by that. I, wetlands scare me a little bit more. Like if the property has got like a ton of wetlands on it. Um, you know, I typically walk away from those unless they're super cheap, you know. Can you clarify what the difference between a floodlands and a wetland is? I know wetlands popping up a lot in Florida and then we don't see that mm -hmm. at all. So what's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, certain areas, especially in the southeast, you're going to have that a lot. Like a wetlands, it's basically like a swamp. So okay. it's... Yeah, it's Louisiana, something like that. You probably find a lot of that as well. It's mm -hmm. standing water most of, most of the year. You know, there may be certain times of the year where, where it'll kind of dry up, but mostly there's standing water. So it's... And it's not quite a pond or a lake. It's just like, you know, it could be six inches of water or something like that. And I mean, you really can't do much with that, you know, and, you know, environmentally, it's not like you can, you know, take a bulldozer and just, you know, take in a bunch of, put in a bunch of dirt because the, the, a lot of the wetlands are like federally protected and everything like that. So you just can't, can't not much you can really do with them to disturb them at least. So. Yeah, so. we, we like flood zone, man. We, we go after flood zone. Yeah, yeah. Get a good price on it. We got a, a property just actually today. We just submitted the, the contract to title. Um, it was 331 acres for like 337. I was wow. like, we, we haven't even looked at the flood zone, nothing yet. Like, it's all flood zone. That's fine too for that price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. At that price, you can't, can't really lose. <laughs> so we'll let it roll. It's probably, I don't know, two, two and a half hours from Dallas, but I think it's going to be a slam dunk, man. That should be, it should be multiple six figures. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Texas is one market I haven't gotten into at all. I don't know why. It just, um, just seems like there's a lot of investors already working the area. And, I, you know, and I'm sure it's such a big state that, I, you know, I'm sure there's different areas that, you know, yeah, I know. I, I'll stay away. I'll stay away. I was going to say, I was going to say, hop on in and do some deals with us. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. It's on the Brazos River and uh, it's like almost 1400 acres, man. Yeah, we're looking at maybe doing some hundred acre ranches out there. It's like two, two and a half hours from Fort Worth, something like that. So <laughs> it's just like the, the state is so damn big. Like the whole world can invest here and still not be saturated. Yeah. 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 That's the thing, you know, like there's just so much land out there. Um, you know, if you like get in a plane and you fly from Florida to California and you're just looking out your window the whole time, it's just endless. I mean, endless land that you're flying over and most of it seems like it's completely there's nothing on it you know so i know all these big cities and are are not that way but once you get out of a lot of these areas it's just so much open space so man so a guy bailey actually daniel sent me a, a link to a, a ranch it's like four hundred thousand acres right <laughs> that's a lot that's a big uh, property <laughs> north of big bend and it just looks like a little blip the, the the further you zoom out, like it becomes like this little dot. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of the size of Texas. Like, man, there's just so much crazy. Land. Just here alone, it's just yeah, it's out of this world. Um, and I think I think that's what I love about the land business is that if you're in commercial, if you're in apartments, or no matter what, there's a very finite number of those properties, right? Even like self storage and all the stuff that people get excited about, we're not even looking at it, not even no. looking for it, not thinking about it, nothing, man. And I, I think what you said earlier. 
it's very, very true is that like it does, it's not like you can just walk into the land game and now you're like an instant expert. But the longer you stick with it and you learn to identify what's a good deal and a bad deal, I think it makes the playing field a lot easier, man. It's like maybe like learning chess. Right? Yeah. So we'll see a track and immediately as soon as I get the text message, somebody's like, can you look at this? And I look at it for like eight seconds and I'm like, nope, close it out. And yeah. then somebody else sends me one and my heart starts beating fast. I'm like, do you have a contract on this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> you can start to identify it within seconds. I think that's when it gets really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and like I've been te teaching my daughters how to do it. They've even done some deals themselves. I, I threw wow. in kind of some smaller deals. Yeah. They, they pulled together uh, between them. My daughters are 20 and 22. So they're kind of grown, but they're still my kids. But, you know, uh, but they, uh, they started each with $4,000, 4,000 and 4,000. So they pulled together 8,000. And, uh, now they're up to about 85,000. So, and they just kept that money rolling. That was a total of six deals, you know, smaller deals, but they, you know, for them, that's, that's a really good, you know, return for them. So they're just yeah. keeping that money reinvesting. And What's that know. timeline look like uh, about a year and a half, but they took, they bought one in like more May of 2021. And then they didn't buy an, and, and then they sold that in a couple months, but then they didn't buy another one until, March of this past year. So they did most of them in, in this year, actually. So it's like a 10 X uh, return in a year and a half, any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. When you think about people wouldn't, people would never believe it, you know, and it's not like they're, you know, toiling over, you know, doing hard work in order to achieve that. It's just kind of like, you know, responding to emails and, you know, just kind of managing the process, but Flip, flipping paper, man, like there's, yeah. no, there's no way this 12 documents is worth 300 grand. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's People that aren't in the business, man, I'm like scratching my head. You know, I love it. I had quite a few people now, you know, and four years of flipping land of people telling me like, hey, you should keep it quiet. You shouldn't really be telling everybody about the land business. And I'm like, man, for the, for the most part, most people aren't going to take action anyway. Yeah, but that's the thing. I really do love to see people get into this business and start to grow. It's like, thank you. It's like, this is the promised land, man, being in the land business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and I had I had completely different perception of what land investing was even before I got into it, you know, I, I had assumed it was kind of people buying larger properties and just kind of holding them forever and waiting for the, the big city to kind of encroach well, on that yeah. and become a lot more valuable, you know, but yeah. that's completely different than what we do. So that's what I was thinking. I thought like some old guy that just owns like 50,000 acres surrounding yeah. major cities and he just holds it for 30 years. I'm like, no, we don't even hold our stuff for 30 days. I know, crazy, right? <laughs> we turned in a contract to title a purchase agreement that we got like, I don't know, six days ago. And we turned in the purchase agreement with the, with the sell agreement on the same day. <laughs> we, had <it> sold, <laughs> we had it sold before the ink dried on the purchase contract. <laughs> oh, that's great. Love yeah, it. Only in the land business, right? No yeah, remodel. seriously. No, no trashing out the house, no cleaning, no no nothing. No, no tenants, no toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Well, sometimes uh, you might have some tenants uh, on the properties, but that's that's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah, we try to keep them, man. Every time we come across tenants on the land, we try to keep them there. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they already they know the land. They're like the groundskeepers now. They protect <laughs> it. They take care of it. They know everything yeah. about it. Yeah, so we try to leave personnel in place when we find land with people on it. Yeah, even if they're non-paying tenants? <laughs> yeah, so actually, really? yeah, that, that dealership I bought, uh, the, the gentleman was living there. And so the seller introduced me to him. She's like, hey, he's taking over the place, so whatever he says, you got to do it. And he's like, hey, how much time are you going to give me to move out? I'm like, you're not going anywhere, man. It's like, I need your help now. 
So he helped us remodel. My new property it. manager. Yes, he crashed it out. And so now, like, whenever we come across something else, like other properties where we got to put up signs, take trees down, cut the grass, weed eat, whatever, I'll just call him up and say, hey, man, I got this address. Here's what we need to do. And he'll go take the, the blower over there and take the trailer, load up trash, whatever we have to do. Yeah, he's like a part-time. Oh, that's leader. cool. That, yeah, that's good. That's, that's a win-win. I'm a rent, dude. Yeah, that's that's good. That's 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 a good relationship right there. Yeah, yeah, he's super handy to have around. And my parents too. They're like, you should make him pay some kind of rent. I'm like, man, that guy does so much. He like saves me so many hours per year. Like he's oh, not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Really cool. Yeah, we had uh, one property that we were buying, and we were going, kind of going through the due diligence process, and uh, sent the photographer out there. Photos come back, and it's like. Uh, Walter White, you know, like RV kind of <laughs> on the property. And then there was this whole encampment of people in the middle of the property. And then I'm looking at the pictures of the stream on there. And I'm like, does that stream look kind of green? Like, like yellowish green. I'm like, oh, and no. then pictures of the neighbor's property. And they've got all these 55 gallon drums of who knows what. And I'm like, I'm not buying this property. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I had to back out. I was like, I just, I'm not going to get into a, uh, you know, a, a toxic waste situation. So I got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, actually, I've, I've done pretty good on buying some junkyards, man. There's one right now that I'm <laughs> junkyard, <looking at>. really. <laughs> yeah, like which just loaded up with just trash, just mountains and mountains of crap, dude. And yeah, we've had beautiful luck on those. I think we're 200k up on junkyards. Wow. Uh, yeah, so we're looking now at, at another one, but this one was actually a recycling facility, and it does have some super environmental concerns. So we've been staring at it for maybe a year and a half, two years, but I think I still want to pull the trigger on it. And there's a there's actually a guy living there in an RV. He has a generator. He has laundry lines up and everything. So I've yet to talk to the guy, but I was like, it might not be bad to just leave him in place while we put things together on this project. Yeah, yeah, I'd buy that one in in that uh, in a Wyoming LLC with no paper trail back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're we're in communication with a couple of different uh government agencies that they were trying to figure out like what's the liability if we take the property on like can we have indefinite amount of time to clean it up or are we going to be racing against the time to start getting fines and stuff so i think once we have a little bit more clarity on that i think i'm gonna pull the trigger on it it's a it's in a great industrial area central san antonio it's like I th there's a lot of upside on that deal so i'm willing hmm. to to toy with it for the next 10 years just so so we, we can do with it in the background and then yeah the yeah that's interesting Oh, but you yeah. got more guts than I do. <laughs> we look at weird deals, man. We look at weird deals. When people would have walked away from stuff, we pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> so the That's trick cool. is that you just disclose. We've done yeah. deals where we just disclose what happened and people still buy them. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're, you know, like upfront about what the deal is. And, you know, I, and most of the time, you know, like on properties that we buy, you know, like it has an old junk mobile home on it or trash or tires or something like that, you know. I don't I don't clean up a lot of that stuff sometimes because I think the buyers sometimes have this perception that they're getting a deal because they're going to be dealing with that stuff themselves. And we we tell them like, hey, you know, this is the price for you taking it as is. You know, if 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 we cleaned it up and everything, we'd we'd mark it up quite a bit more. And you know, people go for it generally. So you uh, yeah. you you write in you write in the I'm just kind of ten grand if you deal with the tires and the trash and the yeah. yeah thank you, man. Yeah, I know. give me a deal. I'll get That's that right. next week and we'll close next week. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. We have one. Right. We have a tire situation right now. <laughs> tire situation. <laughs> so this, this is a situation, dude. There's there has to be at least ten thousand tires on this property. Oh man. Yeah, oh, man. It, it's massive, man. It, you could see it from satellite. I mean, this this. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had one of those where you can see it from satellite too. That's funny. Yeah, getting quotes on cleanup and like recyclers and people that'll grind them down and all that. But the 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 spread on here is like six twenty five or something. Wow. So even if we spend a hundred grand, you know, getting rid of these tires or one fifty, like it's still gonna be okay. I think we'll still. Yeah. Be okay. yeah. Yeah. So will, will anyone like does is anyone looking for these tires for? recycling purposes or do you have to pay to get to remove them at all we're gonna yeah. end up having to spend man yeah so i got a, yeah. a recycling plant that'll take all the material right uh, at no cost but they want it grinded up so then i have a, another guy that'll come in from like another state and he'll charge you 22 grand to grind it up but he's not gonna haul it right mm -hmm. so that's something i gotta think about yeah i'm gonna have to make this big tire mountain and then get some trucks out there so <laughs> ideally right what we do is we sell the junkyards with the junk on them right we don't clean them up for the most yeah. part but in this case right here, like I, I might, you know, talk to potential buyers and see if somebody's willing to take on that task and maybe split it, like I said. So if I look at it and it's going to cost me 60 grand, I might tell somebody, hey, I'll give you a $50,000 discount if you want to handle it yourself, something like that. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're still trying to play with it. But either way, like I said, there's plenty of opportunity there. It's just and I kind of wanted to take it on so I can know what the challenges would be next time I come across that, because we did find that uh, we were able to get a hundred thousand dollar discount, you know, for having that pile there. And then we did our numbers. We're like, well, shoot, there's a ton of spread here. So even if we did spend 100 or 150, it's still a deal. But it scared off enough of the buyers that nobody wanted to pick it up. And it was on MLS, dude. Really? Wow. Yeah, like just super low hanging fruit out in the open, but nobody wanted to take on that. And me, I'm a contractor. I'm like, yeah. Bring Bring me that pile of tires. It's like you know, business in general is just about solving problems. So like you're able to like you're willing to get in there and figure out how to how to get the thing solved. And you know, the seller wants to get rid of it. They they're tired of looking at that mound of ten thousand tires. And uh, you know, they're like, I can't sell it with all these tires. And you know, so you're solving a problem, and you know, you should get paid for it too. So exactly, man. I think that's what we do in this business. Is yeah, we just yeah. get paid problem solve like you got to sometimes we really got to think outside the box so we've contracted stuff before or there's stuff that we've worked on where i didn't see the strategy immediately right and i was actually at the dealership with my my dad and my sister and i was in the office and this deal had kind of been burning in the background for like maybe 60 days or something and i just didn't couldn't see a strategy on it and then the light bulb came on i'm like wait a minute there's at least a hundred thousand on this deal i think we did 155 on that one wow. but i couldn't see the solution like it took me like a month for it to, or a month and a half for it to dawn on me Right. So, yeah, I think being like high level problem solvers in the land business is probably going to prove to be like the best decision I've ever made in my life. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, it sounds like you're creative and you're willing to dig in there and get them done. You know, like sometimes I'm probably guilty of, you know, dismissing some of those potential deals sometimes because I don't want to put in the effort to to deal with that problem. But those are probably some of the ones I should be digging into more, you know, like they, they probably have a lot of upside if I'm willing to put in the effort or have someone on my team to put in the effort to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Well, it's easy to get spoiled in the land business. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Just take the, the really easy ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's guilty, yeah. guilty, guilty. Yeah. We see stuff and I'm like, dude, do we want to mess with all this? So I had a deal here that I contracted earlier this year. I think it was in February. It was a thousand acres and we're getting it for two grand an acre. So if we had did like a hundred acre split and sold them off, I mean, it was like an $8 million spread, but it was an undivided interest between a, a two, a, a daughter and her dad warring with each other. So I'm like, by the time we go through the process, yeah. get it all sold, go to court, do it two years later to make 8 million. Like I'm just going to just skip that whole deal. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Somebody else probably would have dreamed to take a deal like that on. And I'm like, I don't want that much. I don't want a two year headache. I'm just going to move on to something easier. Yeah, seriously. You guys ever do like buy any of these properties with 
seller finance or partnering with the the property owner and maybe split it and then like split profits with them and those type of things? We're always looking for creative strategies, man. Like very rarely mm-hmm. do we just come in with just write a check. Yeah. Unless really? it's like, yeah, unless it's a screaming deal. It, but we try to lead with creative. We try to find sellers that are willing to work with us. And then cool. the, the targets we go after are a million and up. So those sellers don't know how to sell those properties anyway. The brokers don't know how to sell them. Ranch sellers don't know how to sell them. Nobody. So it's in their best interest, like especially like if it's an expired listing or something like that. Easy for us to come in and say, hey, I can sell this thing. You want some help? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. we, then you work out some kind of creative partnership solution with them. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, that's, you know, that's kind of uh, one of the roads I want to start going down. I, I mean, I, at this point, I've just been kept keeping it really simple buy cash, you know, and then and then resell quickly. But I think there's a lot of deals where maybe we're too far apart on a price or something like that, where we can, you know, add some value to the property and kind of make it a win win, you know, for the seller and the buyer. And uh, everyone makes money that way. So, but I like it, you know, I, I think I'm going to start exploring those type of things. So sounds like there's money to be made in them dude the, some of them are, t- are just too good to be true i'm telling you like when we're saying really? this stuff on, like we've sp- been speaking at events for the last maybe year and a half and when we're on stage like you get, these guys have to be lying like, have to be lying <laughs> that just sounds too good to be true but it's funny because I, i've been saying this quote now is like the longer i'm in the land business the luckier i get because yeah. we're, we're just coming across just better and better opportunities that just don't make sense man and i'm like and nobody's looking at this feels like i'm in, like in a movie like where you know i'm being punked yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. It's been a fun ride, man. Uh, something I wanted to ask you about, if we can just kind of re- hit the rewind button. Sure. We've never, we've never done mailing before. So can you talk a little bit about how you would even select the market like in another state? And then how does the mailing process work? Is it just like a house where you just fire them all the data and then they just start send, dripping out the mail at a certain rate? Or Yeah, the way I do it, well, first of all, as far as picking the market goes, I'll kind of just look at Zillow, you know, transactions on Zillow, and I'll look for the balance, you know, say say I'm interested in properties that are 10 acres or more, and I'll look over the past year, how many properties in that county were 10 acres or more sold, and then I'll look to see how many are on the market. So if it's at least balance, you know, say... 50 properties sold within that range over the past 12 months. And then there's 50 listings. It's a pretty, pretty balanced market. You know, that's like a year's worth of inventory, I guess, if you were to try to just ballpark it. But so I look for at least that. Now, if there's a, if it's the other way, like if there's a hundred listings, but only 50 properties within that range sell a year, then that's two years worth of inventory. It's a pretty slow market. It's going to be, going to be tough to do something. If there's, if it's the other way, like there's only 10 listings, but 50 properties have sold within that range over the past year, then I know it's a pretty hot market and good properties will sell. So those are the kind of things I, I just look for generally, you know, I'm, I'm really doing a lot of these states, I'm doing kind of like huge areas, you know, and what I do is we use data tree. Um, I don't know if you've ever worked with them, first American company. So basically mm-hmm. use them to pull the lists and we'll search by, you know, vacant land, 10 acres or more. We'll kind of you know, I know other investors will only send to absentee owners and things like that, but we'll just kind of send them to everybody within that range. But we'll filter out, you know, sellers that we know aren't going to sell, like the railroad or utilities or a school or university, you know, any of these types of things that we know these sellers are not going to sell. We'll take them out of the list and then we'll prepare a big spreadsheet. We'll come up with an offer price. Generally, I'll figure it out per acre. So if I know in this county that on average, 
uh, retail price maybe 5,000 an acre, something like that. So then I'll just back off a percentage. We might offer 35% of that, you know, for our offer price. And then we put that in a spreadsheet and it just kind of, and then we uh, do this, um, we send it to the mailing company and they do a mail merge. And then that generates all the offers, you know, like parcel number, the acreage, the offer price, all that kind of stuff is figured out. And then we're sending out individual offers to all these people and uh, sending out right now, we're sending out 50,000 letters a month. So 25,000 letters each, every two weeks. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of mail we're sending. So it's about 50 cents per letter too. So so that's a pretty good capital expenditure per month. But again, the returns you're getting are like out of this world from an investor standpoint. Yeah. Like as far as a cost per deal, you know, it's about $3,000, for every deal that we get. And we've been averaging, you know, so far, you know, historically we've averaged $22,000 profit per deal, you know, some, some really good ones. And then some other ones that have not been so good in there, but we haven't lost money on any deal yet, but on average, we're $22,000 per deal. So I want to gradually increase that, uh, or maybe not even so gradually, but I want to increase that exponentially, you know, the, um, by doing bigger deals and, uh, you know, bigger properties. So that, that's kind of the thing. We use a company called Rocket Print. They're the mm-hmm. ones that do our mailings for us. But it's pretty easy. I just send them a spreadsheet. They've got our letter on file. I send them, a, you know, we prepare a spreadsheet every two weeks. And I have an assistant, a couple assistants kind of help me putting everything together with that. And, you know, I set the pricing for each county. But then they build the spreadsheets off of that. I just send the spreadsheet to the mailing house and they take care of all the merging and, and everything like that and send them all out. So I don't have to put on any stamps or lick any envelopes or anything like that. That's beautiful, man. That's what I was going to ask you. Like just based on what you told me, how you run your company, I could already just see it. Like I already had 90% of the information in my brain. I was like, this guy's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't come up with it. So I'm not as smart as you're giving me credit for, but I did adapt it. I did adapt it in my own little way. So. Who did you mentor under? Was it like Goldberg or one of these guys? One of the big, big. Uh, uh, the, the course I bought was Land Academy. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Tried it or, or looked too look too deeply into it, but very familiar. Yeah. I mean, basically they they, they kind of gave me the basic model, and then I took it and adapted it a little bit to to what I do. Mm-hmm. So and they taught me how to evaluate parcels, evaluate land in in that way. So it was it was good for that, you know. It's kind of kind of basic, really. They've got a community associated with that with that and stuff too. But it it got me everything I needed to go to to get to to get going and start going off to the races. So, yeah, um, I, I love how much humility you carry yourself with. Like, <laughs> you're like yeah, we get three thousand per deal, and we get back twenty two thousand. Like, if you talk to like any <laughs> stock investor or any any investment, anybody that's familiar with investing, like if you put in three and get back twenty two, like holy crap! I mean, that's something right. to brag about. And in the land business, we just like glaze right over it. Like, yeah, it's okay. yeah, it's going. I know. <laughs> you know, like Facebook ads. I, you know, in our other business, we had we were spending a lot of money on Facebook ads, and kind of historically, for every dollar you put in, you get like two to three dollars back. So. Okay. You know, double your money. You know, return on ad spend. Double your, you know, your your investment on the ad. So, and that was considered, you know, decent at least. But this is so much better. You know, I'm basically over six times, you know, what we spend on, on our outreach efforts, we get back in, in profit. You know, so. Dude, that's um, that's a dream come true, man. I mean, yeah, I don't think ninety nine point nine percent of businesses can say that. Yeah, yeah, and I know that you know, as far as um, 
outreach efforts. A lot of people are doing texting, which I'm going to be looking into. And I know that their cost per deal is probably a lot less than 3000 You know, they're probably under $1,000 per deal. And pay-per-click, you know, I've heard some good things about pay-per-click as well, but I haven't really ventured into those areas yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to do those soon, I guess. So, um, how are you guys generating all your deals? Well, if you want to learn about texting, that's what we do. That's oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah. We do texting and PPC. We do both. Uh, but oh. texting, texting is our main thing. That's our, that's our software. Oh, okay. Well, we should talk. <laughs> we should. Um, yes. what, is, what is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? I guess the, I, I don't know if it's the, the actual wording, if I'm getting the act, uh, actual wording right, but it's something like this. It's by Wayne Gretzky. Skate to where the pup, puck is going, not to where it's been. So, ah, you know, I always, I always like keep that in mind. It's like, you don't really, you know, like your situation now is kind of just a snapshot, but, but really there's so many variables in the world and business and everything going on. You want to like head towards where things are going not where they're at right now. So I always think about that one. And uh, where can people find you online? Turningprofit.com. You come out with a podcast. Um, yep. What's your what's your schedule looking like on that? And then uh, you're releasing that January 6th, correct? Yeah, yeah. January 4th, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so we're going to, we've got a whole batch of episodes that we've recorded and we're going to start launching. Uh, I'm not sure if it's three or five in the first week and then once a week after that. So we've got uh, a couple of really good guests that we've had on already. Uh, Pace Morby, uh, Jamil Damji. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and then we've got some other ones in the works that I can't talk about yet. But, uh, and then my, my wife is a co-host with us. Uh, so she's, you know, part of this business as well. And so we, um, we do some solo episodes, some about land flipping. Uh, we actually just filmed the episode with our daughters, you know, kind of talking about how they're, learning about the land business and how they're, they're kind of building their own business and, you know, follow their journey as well. So, and then, and then we do the monthly income reports on our site and that's, you know, turningprofit.com where we break down every single one of our deals that we've done each month, the revenue we've taken, every deal we've done, the profit, how many days we've held it for, things we learned about the property, what went well, what didn't go well. And another thing that I filmed on there that, that I'm giving away is I, filmed a video and I did a whole presentation on our 51st deals in the land business. So it breaks down every single one of those deals and numbers on every single one of them. So just kind of stuff I wished was out there when I got started in the land, in the land business, because, you know, you don't really know what's possible until you see actual details of, of what people are doing. So there was very few details on that. Even in the paid training program stuff, there's very few details of what people are doing. People are very hush hush about it. And I've, I don't know, I don't know why, but, so I tried to break through that barrier. So that's cool, man. I would like to take a look at that. If, if you have a website for Daniel, keep been harping on me. Like we got to get our, our numbers up and get our heads up. And I'm like, I know, I know I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if anyone wants to check it out there, I'd, that'd be great. So it's at turningprofit.com where you have your turningprofit.com. Yep. That's super cool, man. That's amazing. And if, if you ever want to, uh, go after bigger deals, right? Like we're yeah. trying to do, uh, if you, man, let's, let's start working Texas, man. I'll give you the parameters. And if you want to start firing some stuff off here, we got buyers, we got capital, we got, we got private. A lot of guys want to offer us cash. You know, sometimes we have more cash than deals on hand. So wow. know, let's make something happen. That sounds great. Let's do it. So awesome, man. We appreciate you coming on here. Well, thanks yeah. for having me guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate you. If you liked or enjoyed this episode, please go like, subscribe, share with your friends and family. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, Peter and Anthony. All right. Thanks, guys.
Hey guys, if you would like to receive hot leads right to your cell phone in a text message, check out hiveleads.io and you can receive the same leads we've been receiving in our campaign for three and a half years that's made us successful in the land game. Check us out. The show is sponsored by The List Guys. Do you need more leads in your local or virtual market? One in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The List Guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The List Guys are here to save you time. Contact the List Guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.1listguys.com. Through the journey of, of becoming a professional, I've had certain situations where... Um, I have to sit back and look at myself and think about exactly what direction I want to go. Uh, and I kind of dial it back a little bit 